Remittance flows to low-income and mid-income countries will hit 5.4 trillion US dollars in 2030. Fitch revises Uganda credit outlook to stable and we look at clean water oiling the wheels of trade in East Africa. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Rithadong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Rithadong. To help prevent diseases such as COVID-19 from spreading between countries, WaterAid has been setting up sanitation blocks with partners at busy border crossings in East Africa. The project is part of WaterAid's efforts in building back better towards a post-COVID world through strategic partnerships with the East African community and civil society networks across East African countries and towards achieving the Sustainable Development Goal 6, which commits to providing access to clean water and sanitation for all by 2030. Olutayo Bankole Balawole, Water Aid East Africa's Regional Director, joins us for this episode. What critical role does water hygiene and sanitation, that is wash, play in oiling the wheels of trade in East Africa? Anyway, in answering that question of the importance of wash and oiling trade, I would want to first start to say that one of the critical things that is important is that we we are seeing, gradually seeing more investments in wash by governments in the budget allocations becoming more and more critical. Because now they've seen that uh, allocating uh, a few percentages or in, in single digits to sustainable wash in each of the countries, in the infrastructure and all that, didn't do much. So now it is clear to government that more investments need to be done there. And there. Secondly, we also see that as we invest more in wash, livelihoods, because what you have asked me is, is, is linked to livelihoods, the investment in wash, and of course, all in the trade. Livelihoods are preserved. Poverty is reduced, definitely. For us in what I, one of the things that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, when countries were trying to contain and they were trying to shut all the borders, they did shut the borders so that they can contain in each country. However, there were essential goods and services that needed to continue to go through the borders. And it is through this essential goods and service movement that COVID was able to travel even faster into different countries. So what I then figured out that if this is what we are seeing, we need to do something tangible to support this and ensure that this does not continue. And so one of the things that we did was to get on board to design a project that is looking at how can we ensure that WASH is central to prevention, management of the pandemic at the border towns and the border areas. And went into actually the first phase, we went into partnership with the East Africa community because they also realized that this is a crucial gap which is putting our people in East Africa at risk. So that project was a project that cut across all the borders, mostly all the borders cut across the border from Burundi into Rwanda, uh, Uganda into Rwanda, Uganda into Kenya, Uganda into Tanzania, Kenya into Tanzania, you know, pretty much all of them, including South Sudan as well, was also one of the borders that were affected or that we said we intervened in. And in that first phase, what we did was to provide um, unwashing facilities 
so that when people are crossing borders, they are able to access good clean water, to wash their hands, even as they are protecting themselves with their masks and all. And we, we didn't just stop there in providing the, the uh, hand washing facilities. We also ensured that it was looking at the different demographics that we have in our society. Those who are living with disabilities, how are they comfortable when they want to use our facilities? We made sure the designs were inclusive of all of that. So as we did that across the East African uh, borders, we also then realized that, you know something, we cannot just be providing water and soap and all of that. How are we building the capacities of those who walk around the borders themselves and what they need to do to protect themselves as well as help others? So we did some few trainings as well. We also put some hygiene behavior change messaging around COVID, around hygiene, around the border areas. And of course, we also gave some of the um, equipment that they will need for some time until we're able to then reach an agreement with most of the um, authorities from tax, from immigration, health, to actually continue with the provision of the water in terms of operations and maintenance, in terms of provision of the soap and all of that. But we tested it out and, and showed them how that was supposed to be done. And one of the things that we are really proud of, which I'm sure you've seen in what you would have looked at, is the fact that it really helped to reduce the intra-country uh, transference of, of the pandemic and, and the virus at that time. We saw a reduction in the infection rates uh, due to this intervention uh, that we did, not just ourselves, but working with others and all the governments in these uh, countries that we talked about. What are the different sector players able to reap from investment in sustainable wash? If WASH is not at the core center of commerce and without adequate, safe, sustainable uh, WASH services, businesses will continue to be ground to a halt. And the more our governments, the more our people, the more private sector realizes this, the more it's better for them to ensure that at those border towns and indeed all commercial areas, WASH services are clearly available for people to have access to. Let's not even go so far about what it is that the governments are giving or what private sector is giving into the uh, into the sector. But more importantly, what are they getting back? Because with the provision of wash services, they are also making money because tariffs for for utilizing the services of of these services that are at the borders or anywhere else those are the ones that we have the, the taxes on them. People are able to pay and we're able to continue to maintain and uh, the operations of these facilities there. Uh, uh, plumbers, uh, artisans are able to, to also have work to do when they need to maintain. Uh, the private sector is able to make profits because of, of, of what is available there. Government is able to take uh, the taxes that are generated from the provision of these services to do more things for the people in the countries uh, where they are leading. So when you look at it from that perspective, you know that it is really one of the areas that is uh, oiling uh, trade in, in East Africa. With the second phase of the project, you have hinted on a redesign of the total package WaterAid is offering. Can you elaborate further on this? So when we now did the second phase, one of the things that came out very clearly was the fact that we may need to look at designing 
in the total package, not just their gene behavior change messaging and provision of hand washing facilities, but we may need to also step it up and provide toilets and bathrooms that are sensitive to the different demographics, whether it's women, whether it's children, whether it's those living with disabilities. And our second phase that we are launching that you uh, referred to earlier in all of these other borders that we are launching, focus more on water, focused on building toilets that are uh, sustainable, of course, and also bathrooms as well. And we have changing rooms for women who have children who need to be washed, needs to be changed, even at the border town. So it became a one-stop center for entire wash facilities, which would not strain the uh, resources of the people who live around the borders, but would have that uh, on its own. So for us, the provision of these services is something that really has um, helped the commerce to continue to improve. And as we see increase in commerce, we see reduction in the costs of production. We see uh, uh, more competition coming in and no monopoly, which then, of course, helps to even the odds uh, in terms of um, what it is that um, the countries may need in terms of different goods and services. That was Olutayo Bankole Olaole, Water Aid East Africa's regional director. And a quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The aggregated remittance flows to low- and middle-income countries are expected to reach 5.4 trillion US dollars by 2030, a figure equivalent to twice the GDP of Africa in 2021. The International Fund for Agricultural Development, IFAD, has projected the growth to be spurred by digitalization, particularly through mobile channels. In 2021, remittance flows to low- and middle-income countries grew by 8.6% despite the COVID-19 pandemic to hit 553 billion US dollars. Money sent home by over 200 million migrant workers around the world this year is expected to reach 630 billion US dollars, providing a lifeline for more than 800 million family members. The aggregated flows of family remittances to low and mid income countries expected to hit about 5.4 trillion US dollars by 2030. Even so, the upward trend of remittance growth is likely to moderate in 2022 as inflation erodes wages while pandemic related support programs end in rich countries. According to the analysis by IFAD, the African remittance market remains the most expensive with an average cost of 7.83% against, against the global average of 6%. Fitch Ratings has changed its outlook on Uganda's B-plus sovereign credit rating to stable from negative as it believes that sustained recovery in real GDP growth and fiscal deficit reduction will lead to a broad stabilization of the government debt to GDP ratio. Fitch said that although rising inflation and tighter financing conditions pose risk to the near-term growth outlook and this could slow the pace of fiscal adjustment, it expects increasing investment into the hydrocarbon sector to support robust growth over the medium term. Fitch forecast government debt to increase to 53% of GDP in the financial year 2023 and to stabilize at approximately 55% of GDP over the medium term, while the real GDP growth is set to remain robust at 6.4% in 2023, broadly in line with Uganda's pre-COVID growth levels and above the current B median of 3.8%. Standard & Poor's credit rating for Uganda stands at B with a stable outlook. Moody's credit rating for Uganda was last set at B2 with a stable outlook. 
Thank you for always waking up with us. Good morning, Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at with the Dome.